Mac Power Users, Episode 196, Workflows with Tim Stringer. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Katie Floyd. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am happy to be here with you. I've really got this post-WWDC high. I am so glad we recorded that cloud show right before WWDC and released it right before WWDC. Um, Boy, Apple kind of went, they kind of went crazy with iCloud, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think someone must have clearly been listening to Mac Power users and just taken all of everything that we said right the, the day before WWDC. They just scratched the keynote and said, Katie and David want this, so this is what we must do. Tim said, Spark said, we need to solve the photo problem, guys. Let's solve it. There you go. There you go. And uh, and the other thing is, uh, I, I looked like I was really smart because I had said that um, Dropbox is this, you know, is basically needs to become more than just, a, you know, a service. It needs to give us something in addition to just being a feature. And now all of a sudden Dropbox is under attack. I don't, you know, who knows how that's all going to play out. But I just love the fact that Apple is kind of throwing in at this and going to try and solve the the photo problem and hopefully the storage problem. If if you ha- if you're listening to this and you've been living in a tunnel somewhere, Apple announced that uh, uh, the big slide said all your photos, all your devices, and I guess that means that anything that you put into their photo system is going to get stored so long as you're willing to pay for the storage. Yeah. But yeah. but hey, we don't do news and rumory stuff. Maybe we can talk about this a little more on MPU Live next show. Yeah, we're going to do that. We'll we'll put a little segment in and that is getting well that is actually going to be out. Well, it's too late for them to join us live, but it's going to be out later this week from when this show is released. But but we've got a Correct. guest we need to talk to. Yes, we, we do. He's sitting there guest. patiently. He Welcome is. to the show. Welcome, Tim. Tim. Oh, thank you very much. Great to be here, and uh, I've been listening to this show since the very beginning. I think I even heard the uh, episode zero that uh, uh, that I'm not sure it's around anymore. But it's uh, it's a thrill to to be lending my voice to all of the wonderful uh, things that I've heard over the years. Oh, well, thank I think you. episode zero is the one where Katie went off on a drunken rant at the end and threw a chair at me. Isn't that the one that I, we had to take out? Yeah. Well, episode zero is still around. It's 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 episode one beta that is that is no more. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think anybody heard that. So, uh, well, let's. Uh, Tim, you and I met, and I think David met you as as well at um, at MacWorld. A couple of MacWorlds now, maybe or a couple of MacWorlds ago, I, uh, we've met. Um, and you've always had a very interesting approach to productivity, and with some of the new releases that have come out recently, I just thought it was a great opportunity uh, to have you on the show. It's it's probably a little past due, honestly. And um, so I want to get a little into who you are and what you do, but I do have two quick announcements, if I may, first. Um, One, our Google Plus community, David, is now over a 1,000 people strong. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, And two, David, we're coming up on MPU episode 200 at the end of the month. Can you believe it? Yeah. Remember when you told me you thought we wouldn't run out of content after 15 shows? A year max, I gave us. I said, this show will never go longer than a year. Uh, Here we are. Um, So episode 200, we, uh, we haven't quite, you know, 
figured it all out yet. But but the idea that we're leaning to right now is is making it more of a retrospective show. Um, how did how did this get started? Kind of what are some of our favorite moments? What are some of your favorite moments? What questions do you have about us about MPU? Um, so maybe send those in. Tell us what you want to know. What what do you want us to tell you behind the scenes? And what are some of your favorite moments or memories of MPU? So if you could send those in and put uh, show two hundred in the subject line, that would be helpful to help us tag and organize those. I'll set up an Evernote notebook right now because um, that's coming up at the uh, the end of the month. So let's do that. Awesome. Can't believe it, but that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to uh, maybe we'll try and figure out how to do that show live as well, Katie. Yeah, so I think we, can we get will. Some people in. I yeah. think we will. So without further ado, uh, let, let's talk to our guest, Tim. Uh, so Tim, you have founded, uh, I think I first heard about you maybe after this, but you have founded a, a group called Technically Simple. And I, when I looked back, I think you founded this way back in 2003, but you have a an interesting pr- approach to productivity and, and you actually kind of call it uh, holistic productivity. And I I don't know that we've ever really had anybody on the show talk about it, but it's it's really, I think, the concept of, you know, taking, well, I'll let you explain the concept to us, but but before we dig into that, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So just to give a little bit of a backstory, I've uh, got a background in engineering and I graduated as an electrical and computer systems engineer way back in 1990, so I've been uh, been doing this for quite a while now, and I uh, worked as a as a software developer for a number of years, and uh, worked on a variety of projects. I think my geekiest claim to fame is I used to write SCSI drivers, device drivers in 68,000 assembly language. So I've oh, wow. definitely been uh, deep into the code. The only thing I remember uh, about SCSI drives is you always had to terminate them somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember those Terminators well. So, <laughs> but it was a, a powerful technology in its days. Uh, I was actually just watching a video recently about uh, the premise was they showed some, put some kids in front of an Apple II computer. And I remember that was the coolest thing on the planet back in the day. And and these kids were just so not impressed with it. And so just uh, kind of a reminder how much things have evolved over the years and and I feel really grateful to be part of that evolution. Like I've, I was back around in the days when there were no any cell phones or answering machines, even. Um, just so, just to see the technology and the way it's progressed, and and even in those early days with calculators and instant tellers and things, I just I just had this fascination, and I saw the potential, and it's just really grown beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah, and, I'm with you, uh, Tim. Tim, I'm with yeah. you on that. It's just it's so great when you grew up when there were no such things as computers and then you saw the whole evolution and, and grew up with it. I, I, that's one of the, it's been one of the joys of my life, frankly, because I'm a nerd uh, watching this stuff happen. Uh, going back to the, the 68,000 assembly, uh, you know, Apple announced that they have this new thing called metal. I know I'm not supposed to talk about this stuff, Katie, but now Tim was actually at the metal. I mean, the 68,000 assembly code was a bunch of, digits. I remember trying to learn that and I gave up on it very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and I don't think there's many people that specialize in that anymore, but uh, there's something special about sort of having interacted at the bits and bytes level just to, uh, to really understand the, the whole kind of infrastructure that makes this all possible to, um, yeah, so I feel grateful for that engineering background. Then I, I got more into uh, managing teams of engineers, and then I started to manage some some very large projects. I was working at Corel back in the, the heyday, responsible for all of their Mac products. Um, and 
In 2003, as Katie mentioned, I started uh, Technically Simple. And the I think one theme for me going through life is that I've been fascinated by, by this technology and have been confused as to why it's actually making life more complicated. And I don't think it's the technology. I think it's the relationship to the technology that's that uh, maybe lean to a little, little bit of an adjustment. So I call my company Technically Simple. I didn't know exactly what I was doing in those days, and um, but I uh, sort of started to started to find my way and um, and continue to develop the company. Um, during that time, I um, I found that I was talking a lot to people about helping them clarify what they wanted in their life and their business and. I really liked that part of my job, so I did some professional training as a coach, and uh, I started to do some coaching alongside the more technical work. Now, let, me, let back, me ask you yeah. about that for a minute. Yeah, sure. Now, that was after you had found it technically simple. It, you know, prior to that, you it seems like you were working in a more more corporate environment, and I, and I don't know if there was any overlap if you just left that one day and decided I'm going to go off and, and do this on my own. But but what lead you, led you to say, this is a problem? I mean, was there any particular moment where you just said that someone's got to tackle this, someone's got to solve this, and and what what took you down this path to we need to be more mindful of the way that we use this technology because it just, it's starting to become overwhelming. And especially back in 2003, you know, we didn't have all these handheld devices. I mean, back in 2003, many people didn't even have laptops. They just had single computers at their desks. And I would imagine if anything, it's, it's certainly much more overwhelming now than it ever was before. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I just saw the trend that was starting to evolve, even if it hadn't kind of reached a critical point of that, uh, that stage. Um, and uh, when I was a project manager and I remember getting 500 emails a day, so I was definitely, <laughs> definitely dealing with a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of inputs. And I don't think that was a normal sort of volume of email and it probably isn't for most people today. But, um, I think that this was always in the back of my mind. And as much as I appreciate the experience I got from the corporate world, um, I really felt like I wanted to, to make my mark. And I was often working on projects that I wasn't necessarily that keen on or that interested in or, or didn't see them as, as viable in the market. So I, I really wanted to step into kind of a creative space and just see, see what I can create. And, and I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart and, and this, that seemed like the perfect time to say, okay, I've kind of done my time working for the man and now it's time to, uh, to take all of that and, and 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 build something new it always seems to me that uh one of the issues with productivity i know my one of my personal slippery slopes is uh using the technology to get faster and better at things and then instead of you know taking advantage of that increased productivity to go home earlier and go to the beach and you know relax a little bit I just add more capacity. It's like, okay, the machine can take more, put more in. You know, Katie could probably do a really good Mr. Scott quote or Scotty quote right now about how much the engine can take. But with the, the productivity apps, and as you get into this deeper, it's I think it's really easy to say, great, let's do more. Let's throw more on it. Let's put more RSS feeds in. Let's add more to OmniFocus. And that's something that I think a lot of people listening to this show probably struggle with. Uh, yeah, and the way the way I guess the way I've kind of um, approached that is to redefine productivity. So it's it's not only about gaining knowledge and and doing more work and creating more 
whatever it is that's being created. It's it's really anything in life that's created is is it comes out of productivity. So going for a hike in the mountains or spending the day on the beach could be very productive by that definition. It's producing a result. It's it's um, it's creating something that maybe wasn't there, and that might be relaxation or or fun or something like that. So it's I, I use a very broad definition for that. And then see the technology more as a vehicle to to support that versus the end goal is having the technology work. So how do you, what are the kind of the main, and, and we may be jumping jumping ahead just a little bit, but what are the main kind of principles that, that you try to to teach when you when you start up with someone in a in a coaching or I know you do some seminars and and things like that, but what what are the solutions that you're you're trying to provide your students to those problems of just adding capacity or or, or being overwhelmed and and how do you teach them to to step back and and take a look at okay what are we really doing and is it really working? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the this is where the holistic productivity comes in and and this is a term that I coined because I needed something to to call what the type of work that I'm doing. And you mentioned stepping back, and that's a really key part of the holistic productivity approach. So it's basically got four four pillars. There's four four pieces that support it. And the first is reflection. So it's that need to to hit the pause button and and say, okay, there's a lot going on in my life. Is it is it aligned with what where I want to be going in life or am I just kind of creating busyness? Uh you know, or even just saying, are there things that I could do a little more intelligently or a little more efficiently? And and so I think that introspective, that hitting the pause button is, it, ironically, it's very productive, even though it, there's no actual action happening during that time. It's a very sort of, if you're familiar with the, the Taoist concept of yin and yang, where yang is really about doing things and writing emails and running errands and all those very active things that we do. And then the yin is the reflective part of life to say, okay, I'm just going to pause. And so things like meditation and sleep is very yin. Um, if we ever get sick, if we maybe overdo a little bit and have an illness, then we go into a very yin state just because our body's saying, you know, you need to take a break. So it's it's bringing some awareness to to that need and saying in order to really, as David Allen said, in order to speed up, you need to slow down. Um so it's 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 really getting into that space and making a habit of of reflecting and just checking in and ultimately there's I think the potential is to to produce a lot more to create a lot more. Well, and I promise we're going to get to that part if you're listening to this and thinking that you know we're talking a bunch of hippie nonsense, but I I think it's totally ap- accurate. Uh, one of the problems I often see with people is the inability to. Um, put space between action and reaction in my day job in particular, I run into that quite often. And what happens is people, you just, you just go, something happens, you immediately react. You don't think about it. And I think what Tim's talking about is right up that alley. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And actually the second pillar is, is about acceptance. Um, I'm a yoga teacher as well. And we have this term in yoga called Santosha. So it's, if there's a resistance to life or the amount of emails you have in your inbox or whatever is going on, that tends to take a lot of energy. And, and that's energy that you can't be using for anything creative, for anything productive. So it's it's key to just notice where there's that resistance. Again, not not kind of fight it, but just, uh, I don't know, make a game out of it or accept it in the moment and create a shift. And that's, that's where the technology can be a, an incredible asset in terms of 
of creating those shifts and bringing in those workflows that that uh, ultimately solve the the issues that are that are at play. Tim, I, I know you have a background. You mentioned that you are a yoga teacher, and, and just from knowing you and, and browsing your websites and all, I, I know you're a, a very big advocate of a healthy lifestyle and healthy living and living a balanced life. Was that always the case, and you just found that this fit into it, or, or what led you to this approach? Um, well, I had a good friend in Ottawa when I was working at Crowell, and uh, he started a yoga center there, and um, it, it felt kind of like hippie nonsense to me back in those days. I'd been practicing martial arts for years, but yoga was kind of something your eccentric aunt did. But I realized that the the stresses of corporate life were starting to get to me, so that uh, motivated me to give it a try. And it was it was quite quite transformational. And, and uh, I liked it so much that I became a yoga teacher a few years later and, and even had my coworkers coming to my yoga classes and in a sense, it's just another form of technology in, in some ways. Like this is something that's evolved over thousands of years to ways to create a state of calm using the breath. And so it's I, I talk about it as technology in sort of a similar vein to the way I talk about uh, sort of our more modern technologies and see it as, as an essential tool in modern times. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, your approach to holistic uh, productivity, what it is, how you can utilize it and all of that. But before we do, I want to take a quick break. um, And I do want to pause for a moment and talk about our first sponsor for this episode. And uh, that is our good friends over at lynda.com. And so, David, you know, we we had this WWDC announcement recently. You you might have heard there were a few things announced. Yeah, I heard about it. Um, and it's you know, big deal. I can't help but think, gosh, you know, this would be a great time to learn about programming, especially with Swift and with all of these other things. And every time I think, gosh, you know, I'd really like to learn more about insert topic here. Um, you know, whether it be logic, I recently watched some some classes on logic, or whether it would be I'd really like to learn um, more about uh, video editing or audio editing or, or whatever that topic may be. My go-to resource is lynda.com. And what lynda.com gives you is they have access to a massive library of over 24,000 courses. And these are video courses taught by industry experts. So if you think, you know, I'd really like to learn more about, you know, pick something, maybe getting up and running with if this, then that, or maybe learning about using your iPad for business or learning more about Google documents or creating great presentations with Keynote. Um, these are just some of the presentations and topics and courses that you can find on lynda.com. If you're a creative, you want to learn more about Adobe Creative Cloud or Final Cut Pro, or Logic, or Microsoft Office. Lynda.com has massive tutorials on all of those things. And not just one class with one person giving you a 30-minute tutorial on something, but really in-depth hours and hours of high-quality video training. Um, and best of all, uh, you can pick up a subscription to lynda.com for only $25 a month, and that gives you unlimited access to their entire library. And that's not $25 per course. It's $25 for all you can consume that particular month. And I think summer is a great time to try lynda.com because a lot of us have some free time, uh, especially if you're in an industry that tends to slow down. Um, I know I have a couple of family members who are teachers and they have a lot of free time in the summer. Well, you could spend it goofing off uh, or for a couple of bucks, 25 bucks a month, lynda.com 
you could actually learn a new skill and you could build your resume and maybe that will help you get a better job or uh, get more money in the job that you're currently in. So uh, check them out. We've got a special deal with lynda.com just for Mac Power users, listeners. Um, they are going to give you a seven-day free trial, which means you can go to lynda.com slash users, and for seven days, you can try anything you want on the lynda.com site. Just binge browse as many videos as you want, uh, pick a couple of courses and run all the way through them, whatever you want for those seven days. Uh, if you like it, go ahead and sign up and keep it coming for 25 bucks a month. If not, no harm, no foul. Um, that's lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash users, uh, And thanks to them for their continued support of the show. You know, Tim, in addition to being, you know, you've got all these great ideas about how to deal with this onslaught that we're dealing with every day. You're also a geek. And <laughs> I, one of the first times you and I ever did anything together is we spoke together at that Omni event when they uh, had the first beta of version two. And uh, I had a lot of fun talking to you that day and just kind of sharing some geek notes. I, I didn't realize how, how deep this stuff runs for you in terms of productivity applications. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about some of that stuff you do. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, maybe to give a little bit of a backstory on how I ended up at that event. Um, uh, one major life-changing experience in my life, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer back in 2008. Yikes. And this came along very, very unexpectedly. And um, and I, I literally went from having a busy consulting business to unable to work. I was just in so much pain and and really my only kind of uh, purpose in that that moment was to to heal from the cancer, and one of the, I guess one of the nice things about going through it, not that it was easy, uh, but was I got a chance to do some more reading and look into some things that I I didn't make time for, and GTD was one of those uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done methodology, and um, I actually used GTD as part of my healing process. I essentially created a project to be to be cancer free. And I, I was so kind of enamored by the, the whole process and that this approach that, uh, it's, it's started to kind of give me ideas about where I was going to take my, my business and how I was going to apply this because it was just such a meaningful practice to me. And I sent a, a note to the, the David Allen company and, um, told told about my story and how I'd used GTD and I think within about two hours I'd heard from about half the company and David Allen asked me if he could interview me as part of the In Conversation series that he has. Um, so that uh, that kind of gave me some some notoriety and uh, I, I first used things, I remember you, Katie, you and I talked uh, when you and David were having the things versus OmniFocus uh, Kind of face uh, off yeah, years this, ago, yeah. Smackdown so back in yeah, back in right. the, the first year of Mac Power Users. Yeah, yeah. He, he David won. I converted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was an avid Things user back in those days, and I still think it's a great app. It's definitely a beautifully crafted app. But I, I really kind of outgrew its feature set, and so I got into OmniFocus, and I really liked the app. But I found it it was taking me a while to really get up to speed with it, and. I noticed nobody was giving a, a course on the subject, so I decided to uh, create a course called Getting Things Done with OmniFocus that I offered here in, in Vancouver. And I thought I'd let the Omni group uh, know about it to just see if they were interested in hearing about it. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, that's so great. Can we send a couple of people to Vancouver and uh, and film your course? And we want to interview you for this new customer stories video that we're doing. 
So they uh, they came up for and spent the day um, uh, at the course, and we did a fun interview, and that was posted up on their website. And then all of a sudden, I started hearing from people literally all over the planet and just saying, oh, I'm struggling with OmniFocus, and I need some help with this. And I hadn't really planned on going making that part of the business, but it, it really emerged as a need that I felt very motivated to to fill and uh, I, I think yeah. that's how I first yeah. discovered you, Tim, as I, I read that article and I, I was just so impressed with you and you and I started emailing each other shortly after that. So com- consider me one of your fans from that. Okay. Well, that's what, you, Thank you. Yeah. what do you think of the, uh, the new OmniFocus? Are you enjoying it? Oh, absolutely. I think they did a, did a beautiful job. And, um, I remember I was down at the Omni groups, um, headquarters back in October and had a chance to sit down with, with the project manager, Liz and Ken and the rest of the team and just hash out some ideas. And I could really, I really got a sense of just how much, how much, uh, they put into these products and how they just really sweat the details and, you know, look at every pixel practically. And I think this is a really a reflection of, of just the, the level of quality that they bring to their products. And, and it's an acknowledgement that it was time to, to modernize things and, they got a lot of experience on iOS that they they brought to the Mac, just like Apple's doing with its uh, with its technology. So it, uh, I think it's a great uh, great evolution of the product. I, I think it's interesting how much they kind of saw which way the wind was blowing with the the Mac OS ten point ten update. I mean, the design of OmniFocus two in a lot of ways is similar to the general direction of the new Mac operating system kind of facelift in terms of white space and um, just general layout. I, I'm, I'm impressed with what they did with that. I, I really like the app. You know, they're a sponsor of the show, so that's for full disclosure, but at the same time, it's a great app that we use all the time and I don't want to punish them for being a sponsor. Um, but the, uh, it really has, I, I think has been a, a pretty impressive improvement. I get a lot of email from, from users. Cause like you, um, I, I did some stuff on how to use OmniFocus and a lot of people, you know, want to check in with me when it, they came out with the update. And I just got just overwhelming, uh, support for the new design. It seems like everybody seems to really like it. I think one thing they did that was really smart was to release that public beta and, and uh, really solicit a lot of feedback. And and I could see areas where they did really take the feedback. Like I remember the first iteration was was maybe had a little bit too much white space and they tightened things up and uh, without losing kind of the graphic appeal to it. And so I think that the people that use it, especially those that were part of the beta program, feel part of the creation of this product. It's just not, it's not just the Omni group creating the product that they think everyone needs. It's it was really quite a novel approach to uh, to to the design. Yeah. And if you're out there using OmniFocus, I mean, there's some really nice power features in this new version that didn't exist before. Like, have you tried the command trick where you can switch between the windows command? I think it's command one, two, three. Oh, a switch between the different tabs? Yeah, for sure. Yep. And, I mean, there's just, uh, they they got the... Uh, the ability to drag a task into a context on the left side of the screen. I'm going to write a post about this because I don't I think a lot of people covered yeah. this. As soon as I get yeah. you guys talking about OmniFocus, that's all. There goes the show. No, no it doesn't. We got more yeah. on the outline, but it, but we're here now, so let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, because I mean, that was definitely something I wanted to talk about is is how how Tim uses OmniFocus because that's one of the questions that we get a lot from everybody is, you know, they, they want to find a better way to be productive, but it can be a really intimidating application. 
Yeah, I think a bit less so now uh, because they've. It's it's kind of interesting because there's actually more power under the hood, but it it feels simpler to use. So that's uh, quite a mastery, I think, to achieve that. Um, I, I think the core issue never really has been the app. Like it definitely helps to have an app that's got less of a learning curve. Um, but what I found working with people pretty much exclusively is that people put too much in there and uh, it's stuff that's kind of incomplete or half-baked thoughts or things that they might do someday. So there's a lot of, there's sort of this mass to deal with. And and the the approach that I recommend, I like to, to, to say, make OmniFocus a sacred space. So this is a place to put things where you're, they're active projects and tasks that you've given some thought to. Uh, not kind of a dumping ground for everything under the sun. And I think that alone can make a, a huge difference. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm curious about from a, from a big picture standpoint and, and David, feel free to chime in if you want, how you organize things in OmniFocus, because I, I've basically broken my OmniFocus up into three main categories. Um, I call mine personal tech and work. And, and those three categories usually don't cross into each other, you know, and, and those are the three main categories of my life. You know, personal is, uh, you know, everything, you know, for me, my house, family related, you know, relationships, the, the, all of those types of things go, you know, into the personal category. Personal is me. Um, and then the tech category is, is Mac power users. It's my online presence. It's the writing that I do. It's, it's, it's kind of that, that other job that I have. And then everything work related is, is work related. And those are, those are big folders at the center of OmniFocus. And then I have folders and projects that, that dive out from there. But, uh, you know, I have different perspectives for each of those. So if I decide, okay, I want to work on, you know, what's going on, I, you know, I'm at work and I'm going to work on work related tasks. I, I almost never go out of the work related. I, I've got a perspective set up to, to focus on that, you know, and if I'm, I'm at home, you know, vice versa, I almost will never go into the work related focus. So, what kind of organization system have you set up? Yeah, mine's actually uh, very similar to that, where I, I segment life into those kind of major sections. Um, the way I approach organizing OmniFocus is to start with a mind map. Um, so bring up something like MindNode and and sort of OmniFocus is at the center. And then I branch off and say, okay, there's personal, there's technically simple. And then I, I further divide those into what are my responsibilities in in each of those different areas. Um, so to use some GTD terminology, I look at, I create a map of the areas of responsibility. So what am I responsible in life right down to taking care of my health, health and making sure I have fun and making sure that my business is marketed. And so I create this big elaborate map of all of those. And then that that's a nice kind of um, reference for structuring OmniFocus. And I don't necessarily have a, folder and OmniFocus for any of those because I think each of those because I think that would get a little cumbersome but but I might have a um, a folder for like clients for instance and another one for marketing and and all of the related projects and single action lists would go into that you know it's um, funny it, I, I I let me just interrupt there for a, a moment if you don't mind I I put very similar I'm kind of in between the the two of you because I have folders uh, project folders for different areas of life like I have fitness and health relationships finance creative expression spiritual personal business I've got all these various folders and some of them uh, have nothing to do with the stuff I do as Max Sparky or as my day job but there's overlap between them 
And that's just a way I find easy to logically kind of organize them and to, to do, I don't know if it's David Allen or Hiram or who it was that I learned the, you know, the 20,000 foot view. I like to go occasionally and kind of look at my life from those perspectives. So I go through those folders. It kind of gives me a different kind of review. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So that's David Allen who calls it the 20,000 foot view. Um, and I actually have, I do a monthly review that one of the actions in that is to actually open up this mind map and, and look to see, does it still make sense or am I taking on more than I can handle? Or is there some area that's not getting the appropriate amount of attention? So it's, it's part of that whole introspective process just to, okay, let's hit the pause button for a second and, and just look to see if things are aligned. And, um, one thing to add to is uh, one thing I found is I had certain projects that didn't seem to fit into any of those areas specifically. Uh, something like doing a weekly review, which I, I really encourage. So I have a, another top level folder I just call maintenance. And I put things in there, which is is kind of keeping my my system and my life in order in a sort of an all encompassing way. So something like perform weekly review would be a repeating project that goes into maintenance just because it doesn't fit into personal, doesn't fit into work. And um, I've even got like a task in there that repeats every day to process my OmniFocus inbox. And and that's part of keeping the system up to date and and usable. So I found that's been a, a nice little tweak to the system. And it feels kind of good being able to check that off. I mean, sometimes yeah. you just need those chemicals, right? <laughs> the, um, I was going to say I love checks. I was going to say I love checking boxes, but I don't check boxes anymore. I check circles now. So. Yeah. The, one, yeah. One of the nice things with the new version is um, they have little flags on the, you know, on the left column of the new version, you can put your various contexts or your perspectives and they've got a great review system built into the Mac. Now, in fact, it's, that's in my mind, one of the biggest improvements is the review process. But if you have projects that are unreviewed, you get a little sort of a colored, um, line on the left side of that box. Uh, and there's several things like that. If you have flags, if you have things that are overdue and it's a very subtle notification system, but I find it very effective because I'll be working through OmniFocus and I'll look down, I'll say, Hey, look at that. I've got, um, unreviewed projects. And I, I tried for a long time to do the weekly review. And the problem that I have is my lack of patience and, and, um, you know, I just don't have enough patience to deal with this stuff because I'll, when I do a review, I'll, the first couple, I'll review them really, you know, according to the David uh, Allen canon, and I'll be very careful and say, what can I change? By the time I get to like the 10th one, it's just like, I just want to get through this stuff. And I just start saying review, review, review. So I decided I was going to start just reviewing much more frequently. Whenever something shows up that it's due for review, I review it. And with the new system, that's actually quite easy. You can be sitting there drinking tea in the morning and you can, you only have three projects that are up for review on that particular day and you review them. I yeah, recommend no, that trying makes a lot that of sense. Sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I really like that idea. There, there's other things. Uh, my review project is a big part of it too, is getting all my inboxes cleared out. So I actually, I try to break it down so it's as, as simple as possible. So I have actually an action for each of my inboxes. And I consider even like my wallet an inbox because I collect receipts in there and I collect business cards. And if I'm not processing that once a week, then there might be consequences to that. Maybe I met someone at a conference and I don't get back to them for three weeks because I've left the business card in the wallet. So the, even like drafts is another inbox. So if I'm, I use drafts all the time on iOS and I want to make sure that 
at least once a week I'm pulling everything out of there. So it's so I found getting it down to a really really getting it down to the nitty gritty of the the actions and and having a motivation to have a system that's up to date makes it um there's much more motivation around doing it. And I know if you're listening to this right now you're thinking what a bunch of loons this is crazy. But uh, and in fact there's a lot of people who've written very persuasive arguments on the internet that you can get so into managing this stuff that you don't actually live your life. And my response to that would be that getting one of these systems down, and it doesn't have to be OmniFocus, it can be things, it can be whatever app or napkin or spreadsheet or piece of paper or whatever you want to write on. Uh, I just think that having a system like that to me allows me to live my life because I know I have all this stuff managed. It allows me to say, okay, I'm going to take three days and do nothing but write a book, or I'm going to take a couple days off and take my daughters up to the mountains and go on a hike, whatever, because I know that all the pieces are in place. That's a big deal to me. Yeah. I find it, it really takes the pressure off. Um, like I have trivial things, like I've got a, uh, an action that repeats every week to, I call it to restock my Timbuktu, which is the, uh, the bag I carry around with me. And I just make sure it's got like business cards and anything that I might need when I'm on the road. <laughs> And it's just having that means that I can pick it up and I, I don't have to worry about not having something in there to not, that I need or that the battery isn't charged uh, for my portable battery. So there's, it, yeah, it's these are things that I don't have to think about because OmniFocus is queuing me at the appropriate time to do them. And that, to me, is much more creative and leads to a much more enjoyable life. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that has really made a world of difference to me, and, and it seems especially for whatever reason easier now with, with version 2.0, um, is clipping items in. And so, you know, of course, I, I had to leave the office today right at 5.15 for a 5.30 appointment. But, you know, at, at 5.12, an email comes in from a client. And I, I know that I need to deal with that. And I need to deal with that probably first thing tomorrow morning. But I don't want it sitting in my inbox all night. I don't want to be thinking about it all night. Um, but I want to be able to reference it. And, you know, so, you know, boom, at 5 o'clock, I was able to clear out my inbox by clipping everything into, into OmniFocus, you know, and, and deferring it until tomorrow. And, and, you know, for the things that were critical, making a due date for tomorrow morning. Um, and then first thing tomorrow morning, when I log into my computer at the office, OmniFocus will pop up and I'll see, oh, yeah, those are those are the things that I had to do. And I've got to get right back to the client first thing this morning when I get into the office on these these topics. And it's I, I'm not thinking, well, I'm thinking about it right now because I'm telling you about it. But I didn't leave the office thinking and worry about it because I know, OK, I've got it. You know, I don't have to worry about scrolling a note on a post-it note. I've I've got it. Uh, oh. Or even worse, that, you know, that when you lay down in bed at night and you need to get to sleep, instead you're thinking about all this crazy stuff that needs to happen the next day. I just, okay, so I've been in the middle of a very complicated and time-consuming trial. And uh, today we had a, a meeting where I knew I was going to be using my Mac for a very long time. And I wanted to make sure I brought my power cord with me, right? It's a silly thing, right? Uh, but I don't usually carry it in my bag because usually I don't need one. And um, and I was laying in bed last night thinking about it, and I was going to make an OmniFocus task for it <laughs> to give me an alarm in the morning. But then I just said, heck with it, and I just took my power cord and you know hung it on the front door on the handle. <laughs> but uh, but you know, the stuff like that, it, the more you can put that stuff out of your head, the, the more you can actually live your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really one of the foundations of GTD and, it's it's not as David Allen says. It's not 
really it's the goal is not to get things done it's to get to that clear mind space and and i think there's just so much value in not having all these distractions uh, mentally and just being able to really focus in on what you're doing and that's a very productive space as well yeah. Well, listen, I I do not want to turn this into the OmniFocus show, although it, it certainly could be. Um, and, and as David said at the beginning, OmniFocus is, a, is full disclosure, a sponsor. They are not sponsoring this episode. But, but Tim, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you have launched recently uh, a website devoted to the topic of learning OmniFocus, because I can't tell you how many emails we get from people that, that say, I really want to get into OmniFocus, but I don't know how. And and really, I think most of the things we've been talking about are applicable to many task management systems, obviously not the learning OmniFocus part. But um, give us a quick rundown of, of what that is. Yeah, sure. So I call the uh, site Learn OmniFocus, learnomnifocus.com. And it's really the kind of the culmination of the wisdom I've gathered working with all these different people around the world with OmniFocus and I've gotten a lot of ideas from the the clients that I work with as well, and and I realized working with people one on one was going to be pretty limiting, and I kind of like to take on the world. So, so I uh, created the site LearnOmniFocus dot com, and I've seeded it with some some articles and videos. Um, the articles are more around the realm of in the realm of best practices and creating structure and getting started and using context things like that, and then the the videos show those in action. Uh, uh, getting down to really getting comfortable with the feature set, but also, you know, how could might you do a, a weekly review in OmniFocus, for instance, and being walked through that process. Um, and so it's the beginning, and I've got got big plans for it. There's a lot, uh, a lot more videos that are in the works, and I want to bring a live component to it so, to it as well, so we can have a a different theme for different webinars, and maybe even invite some guests on to uh, to talk about these topics and and just create a um, create a forum, not just for people to learn the software, but to to really figure out how it can benefit their life and how it fills in, fits into their life. All right. Before we go to the next segment, Tim, let's, let's, I'll do a quick, give me a quick uh, OmniFocus trick that you've learned with the new version, something that someone listening can go try right now. Okay. Not to put me on the spot or anything. Okay. Well, why don't I start? Because I've got a <laughs> okay, great one. Sure. I'm afraid you're going to steal it from me. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people know that forecast mode is kind of awesome and OmniFocus. And what it does is it allows you to pick a date sometime in the future and see the tasks you have set to start that date. And you want to use that deferred date. There's a setting where you can say, show me the tasks that are deferred to the state. So for an example, let's say today's Tuesday. And I know that, um, I have a, someone has asked me to do something very important on Thursday. I want to see what, what I'm up against. So I can go in forecast mode. I can click on the Thursday. There's a little calendar view there and it shows me all the tasks that are set up to start that day. And I can see if it's a really busy day or if it's a light day or if there's things there that I can move to another day. So it's a, it's a very convenient way to do things. One of my favorite tricks is to go in the evening and just look at the forecast for the next day. So that's all, that's all well and good. Uh, but what's really great with the new version too is, and a lot of people don't know this. If you hold down the command key, you can select multiple dates. So for example, you could select the next two Saturdays. Like you say, I want to get some gardening done. What's my schedule? Like you could look at the next two or three Saturdays by just holding down the command key and selecting the next two or three Saturdays. You could see what's on your list for those days and you could start moving things around. You could also select three or four consecutive days or an entire week. It's a, it's a really nice way to do your forecasting. And that's one I'm not sure a lot of people know about. 
Yeah, that's a great tip. That, that's actually one of the ones I was thinking of too. So you did steal it from me. <laughs> um, one I'll throw in, maybe it's not so much a sort of a feature tip, but it's maybe a way of working around one of the limitations in OmniFocus that I, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I wish I, wish I could add multiple contexts to tasks. Because um, I like to create tasks around like energy levels, saying this is something where I need to be focused or this is really easy I could do in my sleep. But it's also kind of handy to have a list, list of maybe phone calls you want to make. And, and not being able to apply both of those can can make the app feel a little bit limiting. So the the best workaround I've found so far that feels the most natural is to prefix the, the action with something specific. Um, and it can be a specific, instead of saying call Katie Floyd about um, such and such. I put call and then a colon and then uh, put the rest of the task and then I can assign whatever context to it I want. Um, And then uh, if you're using the pro version of OmniFocus, you can create a perspective that filters based on text. So you could actually have a list of phone calls that just draws that, uh, only shows actions that have the call colon as part of the action. And the reason I, I put the, the colon in there is to make it distinct. So if you were mentioning, um, if if the task were actually to email someone about having a phone call on Friday or something like that, you don't want that to show up. But having the call colon in there makes it unlikely that you're going to get another another action that isn't a phone call showing up on the list. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's like yeah. putting an X on a text expander snippet, or it's just a distinct character to make it searchable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you could even, I guess, uh, create a text expander snippet out of it just to make it that much faster to type in. Yeah, Kurash does that. He uh, does the text expander snippets for uh, creation. Pretty smart stuff. Hey, um, you know, I, I want to talk about another sponsor, and it was it's kind of timely. Tim was talking about how he has all these different inboxes and how he wants to capture everything as quickly as he can to his computer. And I can tell you the way I do that is this beautiful ScanSnap iX500 sitting next to my desk right now. I just had that last night where I could see all the kids' papers from school and mail and things accumulating on my desk because, like I said earlier, I've been working really hard lately so i've haven't been really minding the shop and it was really a great feeling to just kind of rip all those open plug in my scan snap and just like tear through all that stuff and get it into my computer as they were going in i could see what was really important kind of on the fly and what wasn't and i've got hazel rules all these things kind of sorting it for me and organizing it and with just about you know 15 minutes of work i felt like a big part of my life was back under control and it really comes down to this this scan snap now, I, I love the Fujitsu iX500 because it's kind of the, it's the king, man. It's got the full duplex. It can do both the front and the back of the sheet at the same time. I can put 50 sheets in there and it'll just tear through them. It's USB 3.0, 25 pages per minute. Uh, it, it also has got the ability to scan directly to your mobile device. They've got an app and you can scan wirelessly to your Mac. It's got an advanced paper feeding system that really does a great job of not catching multiple feeds you know sometimes if two pieces of paper are stuck together the scanner is smart enough to figure that out and it tells you so you can just fix it right there you don't have to deal with all that craziness and they've got this amazing mac software that brings it in does the ocr and really manages the whole process for you now they've got smaller ones if you want the s1300i is a great one it's portable it still has that dual uh, full duplex so you can get the front and the back it does 12 pages per minute it's got a nice little feeder there 
But uh, and, and if you want something really small, go with the S1100, which is almost like a little wand you can just stick in your bag, and it's powered by USB, and it you can carry it around with you wherever you want. Um, they they've got one last model I want to talk about though. This is SV600. Man, I I don't know, man. I might have to buy one of these, Katie. Uh, so you can scan a whole book. It turns the pages for you, and when you turn the pages at. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't turn that. the pages for you. That would be really yeah. cool. You you got to find well, a little person what to do that. Yeah, what I what I mean is when you turn the page, it actually detects the page turn and it shoots the picture, and you don't have to tear your books up with razor blades like I do. And I got a lot of really angry email about that. By the way, TJ but, was very upset. Yeah, I know. Uh, but you know, we we do see these uh, listeners all the time on Twitter saying, "Hey, I got my scan snap." Uh, Thanks, Mac Pow users, Max Barkey, Katie Floyd, and the thing is they're always really happy with the product because it's just a great product. They really embrace the Mac. They do it right. And you can get all your papers scanned into your system very quickly and efficiently. Um, I love my scan snap. I was buying them a long time before they were sponsored the show. And every person I've ever turned on to them has been happy with them. So go check it out. And, and thanks Fujitsu for sponsoring the Mac power users. All right. Since we did such that long, deep dive into OmniFocus, which uh, is one of my favorite apps, but I, I know is really David's app, um, I do need to talk to you about one of my apps. And I know that you are a big user of Evernote, and that I know you use Evernote also with, with OmniFocus. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you use Evernote in your life and your business and, and the types of things that you're putting in Evernote. Yeah, sure. So I've been using Evernote since I think practically the first beta. I, I immediately kind of saw the potential for this idea. Um, what I used to do is dump everything in, in there without really thinking about how to organize it, and that didn't, uh, that didn't go so well. So I'm, I'm quite specific about what I use Evernote for, and I'll, I might sort of expand that occasionally, but it's, it's, it's got a very specific purpose. So I use it for uh, anything that's got sort of a, a, sort of a time base to it. So things like uh, medical records I keep in, in Evernote, um, any sort of travel documents. They've got it's kind of a natural flow having it in a timeline. Uh, of all of my yoga uh, teaching is done right out of Evernote, so I can uh, can create a class in Evernote and assemble all the different research that I've done, uh, putting the class together, and I actually sit up on the platform and, and teach with my iPad and Evernote open. So that's been been very useful. Um, business cards I put in there. Uh, I don't tend to spend a lot of time inputting business cards unless there's an incentive to, but I still like to keep them. Um, oh, have sometimes just, I got to digress. Yeah. Have you tried that new yeah. business card scanner with the Evernote yeah, app? It is amazing. I've played with it a little bit. Yeah. Though I, I must say I'm not getting nearly as many business cards as I, I used to. So it's, it's almost becoming, I think, less of an issue uh, in our kind of modern hey, hey, age. But, yeah. Can I put on my dunce cap for a minute? So okay. I, after you talked about that, I, I fired up Evernote on my iPhone and I ran it. And I did a great job of scanning those cards in. I never found the setting to automatically send it over to my um, my iPhone or my iCloud contacts. Is that something you have to enable somewhere? Yeah, it's buried in there a little bit, and it's it's in the settings somewhere. But I'll I'll tell you what. Um, both Evernote, the folks at Evernote, as well as um, you know our friend Brooks Duncan over at Document Snap, did um, YouTube uh, video tutorials on exactly how to set it up and configure it. So um, maybe JT will put one of those links in the show notes for us. Yeah, I, I just didn't know. because I And I didn't really spend any time on it. But I'm like, okay, that's great. It took a nice picture, but how do I get the data over? It, yeah. it wasn't immediately obvious. Yeah, and I think the weird thing is is you, you customize it in a weird way. You, like, customize it in the camera settings, 
which you wouldn't think. Yeah, you customize it. It's in preferences. It's in camera. Um, and then it's, it's under business card. And then there's a little swipe, uh, you know, clicker to save contact information into contacts. But it's not where you would think it would be. And it's very likely that at some point I told Evernote that it couldn't have access to my contacts. Because generally, I don't like those cloud services to have that information. Yeah, so maybe be. that's another uh, block I've put in place without realizing it. Yeah. But I'm sorry, Tim, we, we interrupted you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, yeah, I'm yeah. really unmanageable, Tim. I don't know how Katie puts up with me, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I just have a very short time when something occurs to me before it just go, goes into a puff of smoke. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and just to get my train of thought back on the rails here. I know um, I did it to Tim. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> Katie, I just didn't you, you were talking about how you use these the business card, but not as often with Evernote. Oh, you don't yeah. Get as yeah many I, just, I just don't get, get as many business cards as I used to. Things like uh, like letters I receive and cards, like uh, <clears throat> things that I'll, I might used to put in a shoebox before and might want to refer back to later. There's are definitely great candidates for Evernote. Um and research in general, I find it's a very, very useful tool for that. So if I'm finding some useful um, OmniFocus articles that I might want to reference on Learn OmniFocus, for instance, I'll, I've got a Learn OmniFocus notebook in there. So it's just kind of um, uh, a series of buckets where I can put things and I know I can find them again easily. Um, and then I can get to them on any device, um, which is which is really nice. So it's it's um, and I like that it's location aware. So if I'm traveling in California and I have this really nice bottle of wine in a restaurant, and I can take a picture of it, and next time I'm back at that restaurant, I can easily pull it up. So it, I, I'm a fan of anything that kind of automates the the organization at that level, where I don't have to spend a lot of time classifying it and so forth. And and I think that's one of its strengths is it's, it builds that metadata into the information that doesn't have to be entered manually. And well, I, I'm definitely becoming more of an Evernote user, and for just that reason, I, I think that as you start to get more comfortable with it, and frankly, the software's got so much better, and they've got a little friendlier about export, it's, there's no reason not to start looking at using that kind of stuff more often. Yeah, and you actually use Evernote to link back to uh, OmniFocus documents, don't you? Yeah, and that's that actually would have been a great tip to mention, maybe, is you can... You can just control click on an Evernote um, note and then copy the note link and then you can paste that into the description or the note field in, in OmniFocus. Oh, so brilliant. it's a nice, yeah, something I encourage a lot is sometimes people have a lot of information that they want to associate with actions. And, and I say instead of putting that into OmniFocus where it's going to create clutter, just create links to that information in, in uh, Evernote. So it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds because it's conveniently accessed um, even on iOS devices, you can tap on that link and it'll bring up the iOS Evernote and take you right to that note. Um, and then uh, it's, but it's not creating that clutter in uh, in OmniFocus. Yeah, cool. Just one little tip to add for Evernote. Actually, this is one I use all the time. That I don't think a lot of people are aware of is you can actually create an Evernote note that links to other notes. So if I'm doing a, let's say I'm teaching a yoga class that focuses on on balancing the kidneys or something like that. I can have links to other notes that mention the kidneys or a yoga set that works on that. And then I just tap on those or I click on them and, and I'm taken right to that information. So it's, it's a really nice way of kind of making it relational and, and tying everything together. 
Um, organizational wise, how, you know, I know you said that was one of your your big problems initially, as you were just throwing things into Evernote. How are you organizing all of that in Evernote? Are you are you using tags? I'll admit I've never really gotten into tags as much as I should. Are you are you doing notebooks? And then what what type of system are you using with your notebooks? Uh, what works for you? Yeah, no, it's still something I kind of experiment with. I found. The trick with notebooks is getting them specific enough, but not getting them overly specific and as a general rule. So I, I have one that's just a kind of a one called technology research, where I, it's just sort of a general place where I put things related to technology. And I find I can easily find things in there because usually what I'm looking for is specific enough that I don't have to spend a lot of time drilling through a whole bunch of notes. So. So if I put something in there about the Wemo or something like that, I can just type Wemo and look in that notebook, and I found maybe ten articles about it that are of interest. And um, so that's one way I use it. Others are very specific. Like I've got one called Health. Um, I think I just call it Health Management. And and so anytime I get like a prescription or or if I go for a checkup at the doctor, even I can put a note. And and the fact it's sorted chronologically gives me sort of a whole history through the timeline. Um, but I have a separate note I call health health research, I think it is, where if I get an interesting article on something health-related, I'll put it in there. Uh, and the main distinguishing is that I wouldn't normally share my, my health records with someone else, but I'd be more than happy to share the research that I've done around it with someone else. So it's, I think, creating notebooks, it's, it's good to give some thought to, are you going to be sharing this? And are there some things in there that you wouldn't necessarily want to share? And if so, maybe it's good to to split it up into a couple of different notebooks. Cool. Um, another uh, product that I know that you use quite a bit, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit more, and, and I don't think we've actually talked much about it since our show with Rod Roddenberry, uh, is is Daylight. Um, just because we haven't had many people on the show that have used Daylight. And I, I know about Daylight just because of my interaction with some other people as a as a content man well, content management system is not the right word, but um kind of a business management system um on steroids really. So uh tell us a little bit about Daylight and, and how you use that for your business. And I understand you do some teaching on Daylight as well and, and how 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 does that work for individuals and businesses and, and who is that product right for? Yeah, sure. So it's it's the products uh, targeted at small to medium-sized businesses. And it's it's similar to OmniFocus in the sense it's only available for Mac and iOS. So it's really for people and businesses who have standardized on Apple Apple technology and like that whole user experience. It's it's essentially, I would call it a pro version of contacts and calendar. So just the, kind of the same way that Final Cut Pro is a pro version of iMovie and Aperture is a pro version of iPhoto. It's it's really taking it beyond kind of the basic, more consumer level and, and turning it into a business tool. Um, so essentially you have all these different daylight objects. So a daylight object is a person or a company or task or project or business opportunity. And they, these can all be linked together to to create relationships with them. So you might have a simple example would be you'd have a person linked to a note and that note would contain uh, what was talked about at the last meeting. Or you can use the mail plugin that um, they provide to take an email and put it right into the Daylight database. And then you could link that to whatever project it relates to or or the, the person that uh, that the email relates to. So it, it's, 
it just gives a lot more flexibility than is available through the the contacts app in terms of relating different types of information. Uh, so a, a sort of a more sort of real world example is let's say I got a an email from someone who's interested in some doing some uh, coaching and consulting work with me. I would uh, click a button and that would add them to my daylight database. And then I'd put them into a category that would indicate that they're lead. Um, and then any correspondence that we have, I can link to that, that person and reference it through daylight. And I can even take that a step further and um, use a smart list similar to what you might see in like mail or iTunes and say, show me all of the people who I say are active leads, but I haven't had any contact with in over a week. So just as a way to kind of flag those so they don't fall through the cracks. So it, it just gives a, um, it gives some more structure, I think, to the whole business process. And, um, and, and I think that structure is essential and essentially helps to kind of take the pressure off. And, now, do yeah, you we, we, go ahead, David? I'm sorry. We, we've heard from listeners who are using daylight to run their small businesses. In fact, some lawyers I've heard from that are doing that. And it's spelled, if you're listening, it's D-A-Y-L-I-T-E, daylight in essence. And they're really nice guys that are developing this. I've met, in fact, I think they're Canadian of memory service. Yeah, they're based uh, in the uh, Toronto area, actually. Yeah, and but they they've done a really good job because the, you know they were they really nailed the space of saying you know I want to run an office and I want to use Macs and this was the software you went to because it did that it did the the calendar sharing and all that stuff and as iCloud has sort of evolved over the years and then all this cloud based stuff has evolved they have as well evolved but at their core level they're still a great you know local solution where you control your data which. I think has value still in 2014. In fact, maybe more value than it used to have. Um, so it's and definitely something worth checking out if you're, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And that, that one thing to point out is you are, you're essentially hosting your own cloud. Like a typically daylight server would be installed on like a Mac mini or an iMac. And, and that, uh, is reference from other Macs and iOS devices and so forth, which has the advantage, I know, and for some lawyers, they can't store documents on the cloud. So that's, that makes it a very attractive solution. Uh, and Market Circle are working on um, a daylight cloud, which will give it more of kind of an iCloud sort of experience where you can have them host the data. And then um, I think that's where it will really, really take off at that point because it's there is a, a bit of a barrier to entry given that if somebody's not comfortable setting up a server and configuring ports, they might might get a little uh, st- stuck at the beginning there. But as soon as the the cloud solution opens up, then uh, then I think it'll be that much more accessible to a lot more people. Now, Tim, do you use Daylight as a replacement for uh, like your contacts and your calendar app, or do you use it more as a as a supplement too? Is it reading from those databases or, or more replacing those databases or do you use them both independently? Yeah, no, that's a great question. The, I think a fundamental thing to point out is that the contacts app essentially is just an app that can access contents from many different uh, sources. So you might be using it to access contents from iCloud or from Google contacts or, or an exchange server or something like that. So daylight is just another one of those contact sources and it uses an industry standard technology called CardDev to create a link between the, the Contacts app and the Daylight database. So if you open up the Contacts app on your iPhone or your Mac or your iPad, you're actually going to see all of the contacts as if they, if you, as if you'd like store them in iCloud or something like that. 
So you can use them within all the Maps applications, or you can use them with Siri and so forth. And and it it um, get kind of the best of both worlds because you can get to that data in daylight, where you can really add a lot of depth to it and custom fields and link it to other data and so forth, where you get that really sort of deep dive. But it doesn't mean that you can't use an app like Cobook or something to to get to that data quickly. And this may be as good a time as any to to talk about um, when you're when you're managing your own business and doing coaching and consulting and and all of that. Uh, I'm sure daylight is an integral part of it, but let's also branch out and talk a little bit deeper about you know calendar management and and managing your your correspondence. Um, is that all done through daylight, or are you using other apps, or uh, using mail app, or and how do you keep track of I guess kind of um, all of that that's going on if it's if it's outside of your your task management. Yeah, sure. So Daylight does have uh, quite a flexible calendar system built in, which I'm not currently using myself. Um, the main reason is I use an onla- online scheduler called Schedule Once, and uh, this this essentially means I can send a link to someone and they they choose which time zone they're in. Let's say they're in New Zealand or something like that, and then they see in their own time zone. Uh, when I'm available for sessions, and then they can go ahead and book them, and it'll send them reminders and so forth. So I've just found that so um, convenient to have that automation that that um, I use Google Calendar, which is the calendar system that Schedule One supports, which essentially precludes using the uh, the calendar that's built into Daylight. Um, but it's in my case, it's it's really worth it. If it's a business with multiple people and they need to keep track of each other's calendars, then it would it would definitely make sense to use the the daylight calendar in those cases and um just with all the the flexibility they get around that okay um so schedule once i am i use i've used schedule once before and and at this point i i mainly use doodle but schedule once uh, interacts directly with your google calendar so you can you can actually basically just put your calendar out there and i i'm sure with some different privacy settings uh and and your clients can then can fill in the blanks and book in the schedule or or how, tell me a little bit more about how that works yeah so basically the way it works is you link it to google calendar and then you can say, I accept appointments between 9 and 5, uh, uh, Monday to Friday, something like that. So it it will make a session available if it's not already booked on your Google Calendar. And if you if someone does book that time, then it's just like, it's just like manually creating a Google Calendar event. See, they'll be essentially sending an invite and filling in all that information. And then that just instantly appears on my calendar. So I can essentially block things off. Um, if I find I need a three hours Friday morning to get some work done, I can just schedule an appointment with myself, essentially, and that time instantly becomes unavailable to anyone who's booking time. Um, and conversely, if I want to free up some time, or or people can even cancel their own sessions, which is really handy. So I might be sleeping in the middle of the night, and one person will cancel a time slot and someone else will book it and I just wake up in the morning and look at my calendar and and have avoided that whole sort of back and forth with emails and waiting to hear back from people and things like that. Seen when you isn't that kind of amazing when you think about how the internet is enabling so many of those technologies. Yeah, that, it's, that, yeah. It never would have worked back in the days where you had to, you know, manage your own calendar. It's there's just no way that stuff could automatically happen. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a huge benefit. Even my wife, who's she's a holistic healer, and she started using Schedule once, uh, I guess, about a year ago. And and she used to spend, I don't know how much time, emailing back and forth to clients and not sure if they actually got the message and if they were coming for their session. So now all she does is sends out her link and... Uh, and she says it's basically first come, first serve. So if, if it's available, you can book it. If it's not available, then you can't book it. So it just it makes life much easier for her, and it makes life much easier for the people she works with. So it's uh, it uh, yeah, it's just I think it's a great example of technology actually simplifying life. And I was I'm always on the lookout for for ones like that. And scheduled one, I, I'm guessing, is a paid at least that portion of it is a paid service. Uh, yep, it's developed by a company in Israel. Actually, I've had some uh, some contact with the, the company there, and they're just yeah, great great people, and really really behind their product. Well, that may I, kind of transition us. I'm sorry, David. Did you have one? No, go ahead. Yeah, I, that that probably transitions us in, into the next segment where uh, we we started talking a little bit about it. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about how you run a business and how you run a business on your Mac and and kind of what's behind the curtain and and how you make all of this work. Um, I, I do want to talk about uh, another sponsor, and that is the folks over at Transporter. Um, and we've talked extensively about cloud storage and local storage and all of those things. Uh, and Transporter is a storage device that lets you create your own private cloud network for syncing, for accessing and protecting and sharing your data. Um, but it's better than many other cloud solutions because it's 100% under your control, where your files are stored and you get to decide who has access access to them and your communications with your transporter are encrypted. In fact, David, just while we were recording the show, uh, sorry, I was a little distracted. I was, um, you know, corresponding with the uh, editor who edits the show and asked, you know, hey, I've got to send you the show. How do you want to get it? And and these are very large files. It's probably going to be about a two gigabyte file by the time I get my audio and David's audio and Tim's audio all together. Um, and he said, well, let me send you a link to my transporter. Boom. I got, he knew that I had a transporter. Uh, we, we linked them up and now inside my transporter, there's a MPU edit folder. So David, when you send me your audio and Tim, when he sends me his audio and my audio, I'll put those all together in the MPU edit transporter folder and off to the editor there go. And the best part about that is the, the transmission from my computer to my transporter is, is all local, which means it's going to happen very quickly. Um, and then based on the internet speeds, it will go from my transporter to the editor's transporter. Uh, and well, that'll probably happen in, you know, 20, 30 minutes, depending on, on speeds. But my computer doesn't have to be on for that. Um, out of the box, setting up Transporter is really easy. With version 2.0, uh, you can create an account on your Mac or PC to hold all of your documents, sync them between your computers, uh, drag and drop stuff into folders that you either want to sync or share, and decide if you want to share a folder. Uh, you can do that with a single mouse click if you want. Uh, you know, Just like our editor did with me, he emailed me a link and said, hey, I want to share this folder with you. Do you want to accept? And there are a couple of new features that have come to Transporter and that they have opened up their API to third-party developers, meaning if you want to use the Transporter as the storage medium um, for all of these other apps, that is now a possibility. And I know, David, you were talking about a comic book app that you saw was one of the first ones to utilize Transporter. Well, how is this? Our good friends over at Smile have updated PDF Pen for iOS, both the iPad and the iPhone version, and it now supports 
transporter. And how great is that for us lawyers, especially, because you can now secure your PDF documents on your own cloud storage service. Don't have to worry about Dropbox, don't have to worry about Google, don't have to worry about iCloud. You can sync them up with your own transporter, share them, and it works just like it would with any of those other cloud services. And Smile was really one of the big first developers to embrace this. Um, and I've been using it with the beta for a while. I think that was what I was alluding to when I told you in the in the last show that there were some uh, apps that I could use that I couldn't talk about publicly. Uh, and it just works great. You would, uh, just like it would with any cloud service. So if you've been thinking about a transporter, our listeners can save 10% off of their purchase of a traditional transporter up to $35. Those are the models with the hard drive built in using coupon code MPU 10, all one word all together, when you buy from filetransporterstore.com. Now, if you've got your own USB drive, you might want to consider the transporter sync. That's a little hockey puck. Everything's a hockey puck now, apparently, um, style model that gives you the same functionality as a transporter, but it lets you pick the capacity because you plug in the hard drive and you can save $20 off of that uh, when you go to filetransporterstore.com using the coupon code MPU. 20 and those start at only a hundred bucks. So you can get them for almost 20% off. So check them out, filetransporterstore.com. And uh, thanks to Transporter for continuing to support Mac Power users. Yeah, that that is great being able to put your stuff on your own personal cloud. This solves so many problems. Uh, so, Tim, how, how does this all working? behind the scenes, because you've got the Learn OmniFocus website, um, you, you've you got your your productivity coaching. Um, I mean, I, I know you're based up in Canada, but yet you have a much higher reach than that. So, or much further reach, I should say, than that. How are you using this technology, um, you know, to to reach out and, and work with, with more people than you would otherwise be able to just by, you know, hanging a shingle and, and taking appointments? Yeah, that's and this is one of the things I love about technology. I think there was one day I was I did five sessions with five people in five different time zones without even leaving my office. So it's uh, it just amazes me. Um, so I've used a lot of online meeting solutions over the years, and I've um, taken active interest in finding out what's out there and what delivers the the best experience and so forth. Um, I use GoToMeeting uh, for for quite a while, and, and I think it's a reliable solution. It doesn't feel like it's really evolved, uh, to, you know, with the technology. So it feels a little flat now. Um, and then I use one called Fuse Meeting for a while, which is also, there's uh, a lot, lot to like about that. You can, uh, you can have large groups of people video conference together and you can be streaming high definition video as, as part of a meeting and so forth. Um, but the one that I think is, has really nailed it for now is one that I don't think is very well known. It's called Zoom. And it's by some um, ex-Cisco uh, people. I think they were involved in, in developing WebEx, which is another one of the big uh, online solutions. And fairly fairly small company, I believe. But um, I think what sets their product apart is they've just got really sharp video and the audio quality is excellent. And I find there's rarely any issues with with echoes, even when in a group. And it's uh, that's one thing that's really changed over the years. I used to... Um, I worked in uh, Dublin, Ireland for a while and uh, when I was at Corel and we were developing a video conferencing solution. And in those days, I think it was about $13 a minute to 
transmit video over the across the Atlantic, and it wasn't even very good quality video. It was you know, still kind of scratchy. And nowadays, we've got this ability. I guess as internet connections have gotten faster and the technology has evolved, there's a, it just feels much more um, natural to have a video conference with people or even an, an entire group. So much of the work I do really um, is is done over over video conferencing. And one of the things I've enjoyed the most recently is I've got a, a course built around holistic productivity where I have uh, what I call a productivity pod. And there's 10 people in each of these pods. And we get together for sessions for four consecutive weeks. And then they go off and, and do a 90-day process. And we do a couple of uh, check-in sessions during then. During them, but uh, there's one pod in particular where I'm, I'm in Vancouver, and we've got a couple of people in the states and South Africa, and then there's people in like the Netherlands and in Spain, and we're all we're all sitting down and talking together, almost like we're in the same room and and sharing ideas, and and I just find that magical, really, just to be able to connect with people at that level so easily through this technology. Now, I thought you were going to say Google was it Google. Uh, Hangouts. Hangouts, yeah. Hangouts, yeah. That's one I looked at, but I don't think they support... For this, the course was really the one that motivated me to um, to seek out other solutions, because I think there's a limit on the number of um, uh, video feeds that uh, Hangout can support. Uh, and as I think uh, Zoom amazingly can support up to about 100 simultaneous video feeds. I haven't tried that many, but it's... Uh, but uh, the technology is there. And even with like the, we normally have 11 feeds because it's myself and 10 other people. And and I find that works uh, surprisingly well. And it's at zoom.us. I had never Zoom. heard of Zoom.us, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of them before. So you get a free account up to 25 participants up to a 40 minute uh, meeting. Which is actually a but, good thing. It helps to keep those meetings short. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like I'm I think I'd pay to have it just turn off after 10 minutes. I think that might be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think then, it's nine, $9 a month or something for 20, 25 people for unlimited meetings. And Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. So it used and to cost more more to do a minute of video, you know, 10 years ago than it does now, I think. <laughs> so it's just incredible how far it's come. Yeah, it is. And and this stuff is just being taken for granted. It's It's interesting. I'd never even heard of this company. I think I'm going to sign up for account though, because uh, for the most of the stuff I do, the free 25 participant, you know, 40 minute meeting is great. And, and a one-to-one meeting is unlimited. Yep. And on top of that, you can do screen sharing. So I might, during one of the sessions, I might be sharing my screen, but I still have people video conference as I share it. So it's, a, so you could do like a keynote presentation as you're talking to a group of people and, and uh, yeah, I just find it works really well. One other product to mention um, that I just started using recently is one called Eyeglasses by Ecamm. And it, you can do the fun sort of psychedelic effects. And this works with any any app, including Skype and FaceTime, anything on your Mac that's, that uses a camera pretty much. But one nice thing about that is it, it lets you adjust the contrast and the brightness and everything on on your own video stream. So Sometimes I might be doing a meeting and the lighting's not the best, but I found this has really made a big difference to um, be able to improve the the quality of the video that I'm sending out. Uh, in addition now, to giving me things is, like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, eyeglasses is a blast from the past. That that one's been around a long time. Yeah, I think I used it years ago, but I uh, I 
didn't rediscover it until someone in one of my productivity pods brought it up and had this. I, I remember when, <laughs> yeah, I remember when they sold that app and it, you would get it and you'd get it with it. Remember that Canon style um, camera that Apple used to sell that you could attach to the top of your iMac? No. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, quick that, yeah. cam. Yeah. Quick cam. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I think it. Yeah, the little round, like a, the little round one that you would no, use. Like a cylindrical it, sort of. It, no, no, not the round it wasn't one? round. It looked like a bazooka pointing at you from the top of your. Oh, Mac. oh, and I was. Gosh, the, the the FaceTime camera. Yeah, the quick cam was way before the the, the FaceTime yeah. camera. Yeah. Quick anyway. cam was probably yeah before your Mac time, David. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that, that's and I, cool. And I think this is going to evolve too, like as cameras get more sophisticated and it's just a matter of time before we're a bunch of 3D holograms sitting around talking to each other, I think. And, and um, but it, it's gotten to the point where it's, it feels natural, like the technology is starting to fade away. Whereas my experiences in the past has been kind of jumpy video and choppy audio and things like that. So it's, so I'm really excited that it's gotten to this point and that I can actually be uh, in contact with these these amazing people that I probably never would have met otherwise. Yeah. There's another product on on your list that uh, in your workflow, Asana, A S A N A, and we have heard from quite a few listeners who really like this product. Mm-hmm. Like, explain that, explain that for us a little bit. Yeah, so it's uh, it's essentially an online uh, task management solution and project management solution, and. The way I look at it is it essentially replaces email in many cases. So to give a practical example, when I was um, developing Learn OmniFocus, I was working with a web developer in uh, in Florida. And at, at the beginning, we were emailing back and forth, and I was emailing requests, and that just broke down very quickly because I didn't know what the status was. And, and I immediately thought, okay, let's just start using Asana. So the way it would work is um, we'd create different projects on Asana for different aspects of the website development. And instead of sending an, e- an email saying, well, you fix this CSS issue or something like that, I just create a task for him. And then I, what I would typically do, it's a web-based solution, but I have it running. Um, it feels more like a Mac app. I, I turned it into a Fluid app. And, and so what I would typically do is do a screenshot with Skitch, and then I just draw like a box around the bit that I I um, I want to change. And then I drop that screenshot right from Skitch into Asana, and that would become part of the, the comment uh, field for that task. And then uh, I could say, you know, this is what I'd like. And then if he had, if he wanted clarification on that, it's, he would just type in the, the discussion. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, each task has its own discussion um, discussion flow. That's where you can add tasks and you can drop in files and you can reference Dropbox. And so it, it becomes a conversation about that specific task. And then once that task is clarified and complete, you just check it off and, and go on to the next one. So it's, um, yeah, it's just as a collaborative tool. Uh, I find it just works really well. And it it allows me to see what the status of the project is without that extra step of having to email and check in and so forth. And, and it's, it's I, free I, too, I've, which is amazing. I, yep. I've, re- I've really become a, a, a base camp believer in the last three or four months. I, I set up a trial account and now I've got base camp projects in relation to both my Mac Sparky and my day job stuff. And I'm always interested in kind of these, these projects like this because the online project management stuff has really come a long way. I think Katie will probably have to just do a show on Basecamp because there's, yeah. there's so much I'm learning to do with this. Um, and 
And this is definitely something, if you're working with anyone who's not sitting next to you every day, and that's just about everybody out there anymore, uh, having something like Asana or Basecamp can be a real great um, use for you. And, and, and that's that's, that's right. Go ahead. I was going to say, even if they are sitting next to you, I think there's still a compelling reason to use these because you still need to make the request somehow and track them and and get that that information out. And um, I've used Basecamp a lot in the the past as well, and there's, there's definitely a lot to, to like about it. I think Basecamp is more sort of um, I think of it as a central repository for a project where you're keeping track of all the milestones and you can have like a document store and all of that. Um, I think what differentiates Asana is it's got a more intricate task management feature. Um, just the fact that you can discuss specific tasks and you can, there's all kinds of ways of flagging them and so forth. Um, I find that's in more complex projects. That's where Basecamp can kind of fall a little bit flat. Yeah. And they're not mutually exclusive either. I mean, really, uh, you could, there's no reason why you couldn't run both of them if, if there were features on both that you needed. What, what is Asana? Is it? document storage capability or doesn't even have them uh well you can store just in the example i mentioned where i can drop like a sketch document right into asana that's that's physically stored in asana uh but you can also it's got links to dropbox i think google drive as well so you can actually have a file sitting on dropbox that you reference in a task and if that file gets updated then you're referencing the updated file all right, so I'm going to have to check out Asana, too, before yeah. we do that show as well. Yeah, I, I know Mike Mike Barty is writing a, a book on Asana, I believe. I think that's going to be due out pretty soon. I saw him here in oh, Vancouver recently. So, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to reading that. But there's, I think, a lot yeah, of, there's a lot of really productive Canadians, aren't there? Yeah, I guess we don't just sit around. <laughs> I just, I mean, so many fr- friends I have in the Mac community are up there. It's And just everybody's, met, like, uh, getting all this work done. I just met uh, Brooks Duncan... Um, Finally, too, yeah. um, he, Mike Vardy, and I got together, and uh, finally, uh, so it's it's uh, yeah. There's definitely a nice little community even around here in in Vancouver. I work with a fellow who owns a place called Mac Fanatic, and uh, Yanni Matanovsky, and we've done a lot of work together. So it's it's just nice to have people who who are on the same page that I can actually sit down and have a pint with and discuss these these ideas and have a have a good kind of geek session. Speak. Speaking of geek session, I want to talk about some of your geeky little things that you like. But before we do that, I want to talk about our last sponsor. And this is an ad that um, Katie and I talked about, and we decided that it's one that I should read. I really want Harry's. to. <laughs> it's about Harry's. And, uh, you know, it, it, Harry's is the company that has finally got shaving equipment right. Uh, I, I used to, when I first learned to shave, I used to go to the store and buy the Gillette razors and get all the fancy stuff. And it just started getting very complicated for me. You know, they had all these uh, fancy designs and uh, expensive equipment. And, you know, the old saying about how they give you it and then you got to buy the blades and everything. it just got kind of crazy. I finally gave up on it and I just, bought an electric razor electric razors are great but it's it's really not as good as a as a blade shave and then harry showed up and they sent me a nice package before they told us they were going to do this now i'm going to be a subscriber and it's it's just kind of a great experience about a little company fixing a problem for people and the story uh, goes to andy the one of the founders and he explains how he went into the drugstore and he had to wait for someone to unlock the case and get the razors he bought a four plaque and 
by the time he was done, he looked in his bag, he had a receipt for $25 with products and brands that didn't speak to him as a customer. And he said he felt like there was a better way. And so he decided to do it himself. And Harry's is a service that you get on the internet, you order, and they send you a package. They send you a really great razor. It's not, you know, plastic. It's really well made. Um, they've got a good shaving experience for the fraction of the price. In fact, Harry's blades are half the price of competitors like Gillette. Harry's epitomizes less is better with a clean product design and high quality blades engineered in their own factory in Germany. They just bought the factory because that's what they want. They want to have the right blades. So they're known for sharpness and strength. They got them. Uh, ordering online takes less time than waiting for someone to unlock the case in a drugstore and with shipping right to your door. It's also more convenient with a sleek feel free clean, smooth shave. And so I started shaving again with a blade and I really like it. And Daisy admires it. She says, Hey, actually you don't feel like, uh, you know, sandpaper at four o'clock. What's going on? I said, well, I got this new service I'm going to start using. So Harry's brings the barbershop experience to you for an affordable price. I really like it. If you're a guy who's been using electric razors for a long time, this is really great. They even come with little instructions. It has the shaving cream. It can be kind of an experience doing it. You know, it's, I got fed up with the, uh, the stuff and got the electric razors. Well, guess what? I'm back to blades with Harry's. I'm enjoying the traditional shave and I'm going to continue. So if you're interested, go, uh, check out Harry's it's, um, harrys.com. Imagine a barbershop, smooth shave anytime you want, wherever you need it. That's the Harry's experience. So it's harrys.com and use the promo code Mac power, M A C P O W E R to save $5 off your first purchase. Check out Harry's and, uh, thanks Harry's for sponsoring the show. All right. So, so let's go ahead, David. <laughs> this is your favorite part. Uh, well, it's not my favorite part. I, I think my omnifocus talking to omnifocus was my favorite part, to be honest with Tim. But either way, uh, Tim, I always like talking to people about the goofy little productivity hacks they're doing every day to get by. And you delivered. I'm looking at the outline, of the stuff you sent into us. There's more here than we have time to cover. So let's talk about some of your favorite little apps that help you get work done. Yeah, sure. Maybe I'll mention a few that I haven't heard mentioned on the show just to give some new ideas. Yeah. Um, so one, there's one called Break Time I've been using for quite a while now, and it uh, it sits up in your menu bar and reminds you to take a break, uh, however, whatever period you specify. And, and it's it's fairly minimalist. It just has just the right amount of functionality so it doesn't become uh, too too fiddly. So I, I really, uh, really appreciate that one. It's, is it like um, is it like one of these Pomodoro timers, or is it just uh, a- essentially that's that's the way I use it. It 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 checks to see if you're you're actually actively using your computer, and if it is, it keeps the the clock running. And when you get to twenty minutes or whatever interval you've set, then you you can set it up to totally lock you out of the computer. You can bring up a little window that says, "Oh, I need another minute before the break," and and so it's 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 well thought out in terms of how people will tend to use it kind of in a, a real world scenario. And then uh, you could set the break to be like two minutes and then it'll let you know when you're done and you just go go back to work. So it's, I think I need to get this. I think I need to get it. Cause I've got this problem, Katie, I, I, I have these lights at my office and they have a sensor, you know, and it senses when everybody's gone home, it turns the lights off automatically and I will get absorbed into something I'm doing and just kind of just zone into it. And suddenly I look up and the lights are out in my room. I think that means I'm sitting still too long. Yeah, and yeah, I think and there's it's so I think it's so easy to get engaged and have the hours fly by and and there's so much uh 
in the news these days and health research just to the talks i know you've talked a lot about it on the show as well too how important it is to to get up and move around regularly so this is uh, this is my uh, reminder to to get up and even just to to stretch a little bit or change my eye focus or something like that can can make a big difference you're a big alfred user too aren't you oh yeah no i'm a big fan of alfred and um I've got a lot of different things tied to to keyboard shortcuts, and and I did a little uh, podcast on this or a screencast on this a while back. Um, a lot of the, the the key apps I use I've got tied to a keyboard shortcut or key websites I go to, and and uh, I find that very efficient. And that's all done through through Alfred. Um, something else I've been doing, which is maybe a little bit obvious, but uh, I found I was spending a lot of time going to not just to a, a services website, but to a specific page within that website. So I've started to, within Safari, I've created a folder for each of my services, for instance. Um, so I'd have one called, let's say, MailChimp. And then within MailChimp, there might be five pages that I would go to quite frequently. So I'd call one MailChimp-campaign, MailChimp-list or something like that. And then since that's all gets um, indexed through Spotlight, it can be picked up by Alfred. So I can just type in something like MailChimp and and just jump right to that that specific page within the service that I'm interested in. Yeah, um, people forget people forget that yeah. Alfred or uh, you know any of the competitors they all will search your bookmarks. So if you I don't think it works there, with Chrome, uh, that's one reason I switched back to Safari. I don't think it'll pick up the Chrome bookmarks. And, oh, really? Well, see, yeah. I work in Safari most of the time too. Yeah, Katie, so are, you, are you still Katie? Are you still in Safari all the time? Because I know you yeah, had gone to Chrome time. at one point. No, I'm back okay. in Safari. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see what else. Um. So you talked earlier about MindNode Pro and Omni Outliner. That's that's kind of a that's a very popular combination around these places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those like are that. really big uh, basic staples. I I did some screencasts for uh, Don McAllister recently on Omni Outliner, and and one of the uh, one of the benefits for me is I got to really take a deep dive. I like to go into an app and just dig into every crevice and discover every feature. So I've I've done that with Omni Outliner, and I find I'm using it more than more than ever now that I've uh, really gotten to know it inside out. It's just uh, especially the new version. It's it's like OmniFocus. They they took a great product and and took it to the next level with Omni Outliner. So it's uh, uh, often used. I like MindNode just for its simplicity. Um, I find mind mapping is something where I don't want to get too fiddly. I don't want to be playing with fonts and colors and things like that. And and so I find it has just the right level of functionality. So I don't, so the technology kind of fades into the background. So yeah. And they got yeah. just a, a nice update just this week. Uh, we're recording this as we're recording this, just this oh, with the week outlines thing. built in. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. So now you've got a little outline button in top of the corner. It's always been there, but now it, it visually shows the levels of your outline. And because it saves no PML, then you can send it right over to Omni Outliner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a very nice update. What are some of your other favorite apps? Uh, one I've been using quite a bit, which I think is relatively unknown, is uh, iDraw. That's a, another Mac application. And it's it's a vector. It's kind of like uh, Pixelmator is the kind of Photoshop alternative. I see this as the Adobe Illustrator alternative. So... Working, I was on the Learn Omni Focus site. I was working with a lot of vector images, and I didn't want to go and get Illustrator just for that. But the designer could send me 
Uh, he was actually sending them in PDF format, and then I could open them in iDraw, and I could manipulate elements and even change text and things like that. And, and so it's a great, um, great little app, and just really, really nice, clean user user interface. And I didn't find that there were any features that I needed that were lacking. I, I remember when iDraw first came out. I think they made a splash at MacWorld one year, and this is before the App Store. But now they're on sale in the App Store, so that's kind of nice. Twenty five bucks, and you've got a vector image draw. Uh, application on your mac yeah and for lightweight use i think it's yeah it's just like and it, it, a lot of these apps just like pixelmator is they're they're evolving into in some ways being superior to photoshop in some ways just for the ease that things can be done and the, so it's just kind of interesting that they were kind of the maybe started off as the the poor man solution sort of but now they're i think i would continue to use them even if i had all the the more robust apps at my disposal they just yeah, they just yeah, uh, pay, provide pay, that pay. experience and and Pixelmator really seems to be turning it up lately. I mean, they just keep coming out with update after update. Um, uh, I, I noticed you use Moom as well, M-O-O-M. Yep. That's an app that we've talked about on the show. I'm very curious to see what happens with Moom. Katie, I'm going to go off the rails again to WWDC land. But with the new uh, Yosemite version, they've changed. Did you notice, I don't know if you guys saw on the news, they turned the little green button into the window maximize button. So it's going to fill the full screen. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how Moom can interact with that. Maybe can they enter, can they intercept that or is it going to cause a problem for Moom? Hmm. Oh. I think even if they can't, they, they, I, I rarely actually use that button because I've got keyboard shortcuts tied to everything. And yeah, um, especially working on a multi monitor setup, I find it just so efficient to be able to, press a keyboard shortcut and, and throw a window to another monitor. It's, it's just, uh, it's hard to imagine not doing that. It just feels so inefficient to have to drag things around. So. Also with Moom, you can set up the recipes where you've got, you know, put OmniFocus on the right side and email on the left, you know, top portion and calendar on the left bottom. But you can set it up and just push a button and everything just happens. Yep. And for screencasting, it's very useful just to save locations of windows. So I can, if I need to pick up the recording, I can put them back exactly where they were. And uh, so that's, uh, yeah, very handy to have that facility too. Well, Tim, we've been we've been going now for our, over our kind of allotted time of an hour and a half. Is there anything big that that we've missed, or have we covered kind of the the big picture here? Uh, I think that really covers covers a lot of it, and and yeah, the the big things, and I think even these these small tools that we've been talking about, it's amazing the difference that they make. And I often say that productivity isn't necessarily like a this huge shift that happens, but it's a whole bunch of small shifts that that accumulate into something quite major. So saving a few minutes here and a few minutes there, suddenly you've got an extra extra five hours in the week that you you have time to go to the beach or spend with the family and things like that. So it's, it's yeah, looking at the, the big stuff, but also these, these little, little tweaks that I know you talk about so much on Mac power users. And I've, I've certainly benefited from those as well. Mm. Well, Tim, it, it's, it's really nice. All the great stuff you've been bringing to the community. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you're continuing to make new content to share with us all. So, uh, everybody out there, go check out Tim's uh, various ventures. Uh, why, why don't you list them off for us right now, Tim? Yeah, sure. So my company, uh, Technically Simple, that's at technicallysimple.com, is uh, kind of the hub for what I'm doing. And then uh, Learn Omnifocus is over at learnomnifocus.com. 
And uh, I'm over on Twitter at Tim Stringer. I usually tweet out. Um, you might get a, get a few yoga tips in there as well, but uh, certainly a lot of technology uh, uh, things that I tweet about. And um, yeah, it's kind of I'm focusing more on kind of consolidating and just uh, in the past I've done work with across platforms and Windows and Android and so forth, but I'm really feeling this niche developing around very specific topics and OmniFocus and holistic productivity and Mac and iOS and and uh, yeah, just feeling feeling really good about that. I just want to acknowledge too the role that. Uh, that Mac Power Users has played in all of this. And I, as I mentioned, I've listened to the show since the very beginning. And back in 2009, I was kind of past the uh, the, the cancer and, and had this blank slate and was had really were trying to decide what to do with my life and what to where to go next. And, and I have to say the Mac Power Users and everything that you guys have shared has really helped steer me in that direction. Just the, the enthusiasm I've gotten from the show and everything I've learned is has really helped to uh, create what I, I consider to be my dream job. I just absolutely love to get out of bed in the morning and I get to work with these amazing products and amazing people and see the differences. So it's, I can't, I can't ask for a better, uh, better way to spend the day. Well, thank well, you thanks so a lot, much. Too. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah. And to hear that it's, it's made a difference and for you and, and hopefully for others out there as well. So. And I can say every time we do the our holistic productivity sessions and I talk to clients, it's Mac Power Users is pretty much a household name now in the books you've written, David. And so it's, it's, I don't think any, any of us in this space really get to see the impact that we have, but it's, there's so many, uh, it's got this whole trickle effect and it just impacts so many people positively. So yeah, I, I so, call it yeah. little, I call it little touches. We have little touches on people all over the place. And, and, and the fact is selfishly, the reason I do this stuff is because it saves me. I just, just even tonight, I I've had a really hellish few weeks at work and coming home tonight, I just couldn't wait to get home to get on mic and talk to my friend, Katie Floyd and Tim and just be a geek for a couple hours. This is, this stuff is wonderful. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Tim. Uh, everybody go check out Tim's website at Technically Simple and uh, all the various ventures you've got going. I think it's really great. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Lynda.com, Fujitsu Transporter and Harry's. And Katie, where can you find our show notes? Well, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode. Thanks to JT for putting those together for us at our website at MacPowerUsers.com, where, by the way, you can also search our past episodes and find all of the other times we've talked about OmniFocus or Evernote, and there have been a few. Uh, you can also find us at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, if you want to send us feedback, send it to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Barkey. All right. Well, thanks for another great show, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time.